Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Mighty Lord, extend your kingdom, be the truth with Good morning and welcome to The War Room. I'm your host, Bill Evans. This morning, I'm um, at the pleasure of having Paul Doerr, a political consultant with Copperhead Consulting. Uh, Paul is a uh, former banker. He's a reconstructionist. He is a uh, homeschooling patriarch uh, with an impressive family. And uh, Paul is, is... become known um obviously for many things being a faithful father and and and, and a, a go-to man when it comes to tactical uh advice um but most particularly as he has uh using his uh, expertise in the financial industries uh his passion about homeschooling and his uh and his de- detestation of fiat currency and the and the slavery that is known as taxation, Paul has uh, broken the code, and he is using, uh, as he likes to describe it, sort of reverse Saul Alinsky moves to uh, effectively chop the the legs out from under um, what is a an idolatrous status institution uh, in our in our day, which is uh, the government run. Uh, propaganda system paul welcome to the war room thank thank you for having me bill uh, it's a it's a, pl- a privilege to be on here and to uh I've been, I've been tracking you a lot on facebook and i've been seeing your uh faithfulness to christ and his word and, and applying it to every area of life and it's a it's a joy to, sh- to share um uh, testimonies and, and what god is doing in both of our lives and, and uh, i'm excited to be with you amen well i look at men like yourselves who've been faithful who stayed the course for a long period of time, and the evidence of that covenantal faithfulness is borne out in the fact that you have a uh, an entire battalion of doors, and and, and they're all uh, taking uh, they're all taking high ground for Christ in their various uh, areas of influence uh, throughout uh, the state of Iowa, and um, interestingly enough, uh, early back in my uh, initial forays into podcasting uh, hi- uh, history, and <laughs> uh, dis- talking with um, Joel McDermott one day down at American Vision, he said, "Well, you've got to meet Paul Doerr. and and so, I, you know, hopefully you'll be encouraged by that that you are shake rattling and rolling uh, the uh, the Christian community by the work that you've done, and I know that you'll be by the time this podcast airs." You will be uh, already have most likely uh, be um, have, having spoke at the American Vision. You're going to be one of the uh, uh, keynote speakers at the God and Government Conference down there in um, in Kerrville, Texas, uh, with Matt Trahella, who's a good good buddy, and I love him and and Joel. And um, 
and at the same time, we're going to be a bunch. I can't. By the time this plays, uh, this will have already become a reality. We've been keeping it under wraps because at the same time, you brothers are out there. Uh, Jeffrey Botkin, E. Ray Moore, Peter Hammond, Brian Abshire, Joel Saint, Jack Campbell, Scott Allen Bus, and a host of other brothers are going to be having a strategy session in Tennessee. Wow. Same weekend? Same weekend. Uh, hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm committed to Kerrville, but that sounds like a a powerful group to be with and uh praise praise god for that it's it's we have many opportunities in front of us the, the opportunities are unlimited right now and uh one, one of my desires is to steer the homeschool movement away from its dispensational false piety into something real where we can go on the offense uh, for the gospel of christ and so men like that planning and thinking it through and so forth I've just I've spent many years just thinking through uh, this this dominion mandate this this kingdom advancement and looking where where we could do it how we could do it and I've been involved in national politics but I, I just years ago became convinced that one day a lot more Christians will see it's time to start at the local level and so I, I just kind of struck out by God's grace and and meager provision trying to pioneer a path and. Uh, I, I tell you, there's so much that's out there for, for, for Christian Reconstructionists and young. If I can get access to young homeschool uh, men with their dads and kind of impart a vision, um, it, it's exciting. So I thank God for all of you men and, what, and what's happening. And I hope I, um, but, you know, this broadcast afterwards, I hope in Kerrville I've been able to successfully plant that vision in, in a few more. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some good notes to share uh, back and forth with one another. Also, we've got... Uh couple of young pastors that uh, are, are really on the move, um, as well as um, uh, Tim Yarbrough will be up with about five brothers from Moulton. So Praise God. I know these brothers all know who you are. I know who you know. And we're all, and I tell you, the camaraderie and the esprit de corps, you know, is it, 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 eschatology matters. And I just recently posted, you know, the, the past is, you know, obviously we refer to the past, and, and but the past is not the key to the future. The future is the key to the present. And as, if as we as we properly set our uh, aspirations upon what God has assured us is His divine mandate that all the nations of the earth be submitted to His Son Jesus Christ. As we set that as our aspirations and, and refuse to compromise with the, with that and set and keep the bar high like that, then. You know, look at you. You're in a pretty obscure uh, corner of, uh, of, of an agriculturally um, uh, productive state. But it, dem demographically, you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. And yet yep. God is able to use you because you're submitted to him. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's great. Um, Paul, why don't you uh, – I know that most people who, who know your name know why they know your name. They, in other words, they know what your role has been in the defunding, you know, in, 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 in um, neutralizing school bond issues and, and that. And I know that also, like myself, uh, you were, you were uh, involved in Operation Rescue back in the 80s and were arrested several times, as was I down in St. Louis. Um, and we saw then the woeful 
apathy and the non-engagement of the reform community at large you know the whether you we didn't know we i don't think we were calling them radical two kingdom in those days we just were calling them cowards uh but (laughs) (laughs) i called them amillennialists but anyway (laughs) well you know but what i would like to talk about today a little bit taking a little bit different tact is i would like you to talk about your family and talk about the ways that god has raised up um uh, your sons and your daughters to build a legacy for his glory through the work that your sons and your daughters have be- and grandchildren have become involved in. Would, would that be something that you'd be interested in, bragging on your family? <laughs> um, yes, o- only to the extent that as, as the man who set the standard before me, and I'm going to be talking about him in Kerrville, as he would pass on these stories of God's faithfulness in his life and in family, I'll do it so that it may be instructive of, of biblical illustrations of what God will do. Uh, because all of this is by his arm, by his hand, by his strength. And uh, he gave my wife and I the vision uh, 25, 30 years ago as we were coming out of banking. Uh, we could see the trajectory of where the culture was going. Rescue opened our eyes a lot. Uh, but but we, we planted ourselves and said, let's start with the kids. Let's start here because we know this is not going to be fixed politically. The church is in such disrepair. Let's do what we can to prepare the next generation uh, to be ready to, to take a stand, to lead, to help, direct, and so forth. And so to the extent that it can be instructive uh, where we've made mistakes and errors, we, we readily admit them. Uh, and where God has added the increase and the blessing, which is just clear and obvious to us now uh we'll be glad to we're glad to visit about that and hope it can be an encouragement to others okay uh so who 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 was the individual well he was a dutchman and i'm i'm in the middle of of covenantal dutch reformed uh, geography here it was settled by the dutch uh, they once had a Dominion Mandate uh, vision. Uh, they've gone um, heavily on millennial of false pietism and um, kind of lost, uh, and I would say politically, they become very much socialist. But within that realm, there was a few of the old boys uh, that I met. One was a Dutch farmer. And um, he was, there were some of those old guys that loved God's law, I'm going to refer to it. Well, this is after the broad, after the conference, so I can I can mention name and so forth. His name was Henry Vellema. Henry was the father of eleven children. He was a farmer. He's what I look back fondly now and say he's the very first theonomist that I'd ever met, a Reconstructionist, and he never heard the names Rush Dooney, North, Bonson, Demar, any, and McDermott. Well, Joel probably wasn't even born then. I don't know, but uh, he just loved to go to his dairy barn every morning at four o'clock in the morning and read God's word out of gratitude for the grace and saving faith that God had given him and particularly to read God's law and then learn to apply it. And uh, I was his banker and the first conversation I had with him a year or two after I was working at the bank left me changed, rattled, and uh, I, I realized there was something much more to this faith and living out this faith than anything I had done. I had done up to that point, and uh, that that began my journey along the way. I I discovered good biblical exposition from men like Rush Dooney and so forth, 
Uh, but Henry Vellema uh, was the man who set the bar for me. And uh, I said then, I said, I want to live my faith, my life, the rest of my life, like Henry Vellema uh, strived to do. He, 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 he too had raised 11 children and uh, sent them all to a Christian school. But one of the hallmarks of Henry Vellema was that he had determined that um, uh, the, the Bible teaches, as he told me one time in, in my office, he said, the Bible teaches me, as I study it, three ways that I will receive material gain or material increase here on earth. The first will be that God will add his blessing to um, the, the righteous use of my hands and minds as applied to the calling he's put before me. Whoever, whatever we're called to, as we do it righteously to his honor and glory, he'll add the increase. There's second, there's biblical inheritance. And third, there's charity from other family in the church. He said, apart from that, when someone comes offering me money, particularly the government, he said, it's stolen property. He said, I have no right to receive stolen property. He took no farm subsidies. He took no social security benefits. He took nothing from the government. And it, I saw a freedom. I saw a tenderness. I, I saw a, uh, a love uh, for the community around him. And I saw a boldness in the life of Henry Vellema that I'd never seen before. And it's with that I set upon a new course. Uh, with that, we've we spent years, you know, raising our kids. They've they haven't had near even what the typical homeschool child had growing up materially. Uh, when I walked out of banking and into into rescue initially, and then this political work later, uh, they had uh, they 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 had to stri uh, strive and scrape, and they had to learn how to work uh, themselves. And many of our children. Along the way, uh, our two older boys got to go to prison themselves for a weekend to jail uh, for involving with, an, uh, with a rescue. We've taken our children uh, street side for 25 years to preach the gospel, to, to, to confront uh, evil, particularly institutions, uh, churches, uh, phony Christian colleges, political authorities, uh, judicial authorities, uh, whatever it was that was militating against God and his word, uh, over 20, 25 years, we took the children out with us uh, and, and taught them uh, how to stand for Christ in the public square. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, of course, I, Matt Trahella has a fairly similar testimony, in, at least in terms of how uh, his family has been with him every step of the way in, um, in his, in his uh, missions uh, as a missionary to the preborn. I want to ask you, as a man who is astute, a tactician uh you've had certainly up close and personal engagements with uh powers and principalities uh, is there i know that when the face act was originally rolled out uh, i guess it was inter introduced by teddy kennedy the freedom of information uh, freedom of access to clinics uh entrances act yep Yep, uh, and, and I know there were a, there were several, you know, and maybe yourself included in when that first came out that tested it basically, and 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 uh, and there have been a few a handful of people that have done some serious time. Of course, I knew, I knew uh, Joan Andrews and 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 and, and uh, yep. all the people back then who did some real time. Uh, I, I didn't do yep. real hard time, uh, right? But um, is there tactically a way that you see it that that, that to neutralize that piece of le uh, pernicious legislation, or do you think that 
Um, uh, how do you see, uh, I mean, because I talk with a lot of abolitionists, you know, members of uh, AHA, and, of course, there's been a dust-up that's gone on. I mean, we're, we're real here. We're not going to pull any punches. There's been some uh, some back and forth between, you know, several different groups that ostensibly want the same thing, and then they're arguing over the tactics. Um, and the, the whole AHA emphasis on... You know the 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 which I'm in I'm in agreement with, and I've asked others, and they, you know I've asked Paul, uh, Matt, and he, you know, he said I have no problem with what they're doing, in terms of agitation, calling the church to repentance, engaging women with the gospel, but having to do it at arm's length because of this face act. Is there a way around this? Do you how do you see this Holocaust? How do you see the church? Um, bringing into this and hopefully relieving the blood guilt that is upon America. There, you know, we're, we're redeemed sinners and we don't know exactly what all God's providence, you know, plays out into the future as to what, what affect events and so forth. Uh, but I, I'm, so if, if these, if these young people, which just thrills my heart to see them, come into into the into the foray if there's a way to to through sacrifice uh through um humility and and um willingness to in, engage the jail time and so forth if there's a way there to to break the federal face law um uh, may god bless them and keep them and may, may they prosper in it and i i i pray that that would happen i i don't i haven't seen it and I, the thing that got me sitting in, in the various jails and, and, you know, way back when and, and recognizing, and God bless Matt, you know, there's, there's been no one, uh, very few like Matt Truella and his, his fidelity to, to confronting the powers and principalities and so forth. But um, when I would sit in jails and listen to the local news and listen to the churches and the pastors criticizing us, uh, that, I, it had a real impression on me that the real the real battle is is in the church itself, um, and when the humility and the, and the brokenness is is comes to the church, um, I don't think the federal authorities will stand a chance. Uh, but right now we have, and, and I've tracked this back in my mind. I've studied a lot of the the politics and the ethics and the and the ecclesiastical breakdown when the sexual revolution came along. And it boils down to, I just think there's just far too much sexual sin steeped in the pews of the church going on, that abortion is a safety valve for the covering of all the uh, sin and, and hypocrisies going on in the church. Years ago, I, in fact, I've been going to the AHA, some of the people, and, and given my essay I wrote back in 1995 on the crisis pregnancy centers. Uh, at, at one point, until some church authorities got involved, I was picketing a crisis pregnancy center uh, because they were their their foundational principles were in, in violation of God's law. Uh, they would dishonor the fifth commandment uh, and they would participate in the killing uh, by their silence. And and um, we we went to them for a year ahead of time and laid out God's law and, and how they need to change their policies and so forth. But I'm convinced that most of these um, help centers now are there to feed the ego of some women who have to have their women's ministry and uh, it's covering for the sin and the killing going on in the churches. So 
I don't see, I, I see, um, well, in fact, I, I was once able to debate the, the director of Planned Parenthood for the upper Midwest and um, on a radio program. And I said, folks, listen, she's going to be a byword. This is, God will deal with them down the road. It's right now, it's us. It's the church. We're not faithful in raising our children. We're not faithful in, in guiding and directing our people in, in biblical sexual morality. And we've, we've become a part of the world. Uh, and, and to that end, uh, abortion is just always there to, 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 to cover up the multitude of sins that we're not dealing with. When we do, when we take back the raising up of our children, when we uh, start blessing the, the, the gift of children and so forth, uh, we'll then raise up a culture of people who will automatically want to criminalize Planned Parenthood and, and all the politicians and stuff who are involved with it. So I, I'm, I, right now, earthly, I, I think we have a bigger, a bigger agenda than uh, the, the, the blood, the bloodlust, the killing is, is, is too entrenched in the pews. And, and if you watch the, the sidewalk counselors, I'm Facebook friends with several of them in Houston and Tampa and around, and there's just a multitude of, of vehicles that have Christian bumper stickers on there now coming in to get, to get abortion. So right. I think we should spend as much time in front of churches and crisis pregnancy centers. As we can in, in front of abortion clinics. Yeah, I uh, I was just recently reviewing uh, Gary Norris' letters to Paul Hill. You know, Lone Gunners for Jesus, and he said the issue is not abortion. Abortions have always been around. The issue is that we have a government that has sanctioned it and a culture that demands it. Yes, and, that that's the, the culture demands. The church demands it. Yeah, and, and that's and that and, and if you look at all this, the whole attitude toward children. Uh, and receiving the blessings of children and so forth. And it's the unspoken problem in Western Europe and in North America is we just, Christians don't really see children as, as, a, as a gift from God anymore, a blessing. Uh, we want money and property and all these other things as God's blessing to our faithfulness, but we certainly want to limit the average uh, Christian couple, young couple does want to limit their blessings of children. So we have our own internal demographic explosion. There's certain little cell groups homeschooling and so forth in areas that are not but the but the average reception of large families um in the typical evangelical church is is scorn and ridicule and uh that that's that's the, that's the backdrop to this whole abortion holocaust this whole demographic explode implosion that we as christians are going through yeah i never was part of the quiverful movement i never watched uh, i don't watch tv so i never saw the reality shows with the duggars but it does appear to me from my just sort of distant at, uh, perspective that the intent of of television was to make these people seem like an oddity uh that it was something queer about the fact that their family was large rather than beautiful uh, that because their family was large and, and and undoubtedly they have issues as all families do but i uh, so many of my friends and and i was too late and i i i was not covenantally faithful during certain key years of my life which may have made a difference and, and i think I, as is a public admission i know that you know, i've said to friends that my my grown children today are reaping the whirlwind of the wind i sow i sowed but for those families that I have known and do know and, and communicate with that are homeschooling families, I really believe that, it, and I've said this many times, if there's any hope for Christendom in North America uh, in, our, in our foreseeable future, 
obviously in the ultimate future god won't get it all um, right but if there's any hope in the foreseeable future for a resurgence um, of christendom in north america it's the homeschooling families and 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 we we've all uh, every every family has not been perfect we're all like i say we're, we're redeemed sinners we learn from our sins and our and our errors along the way we happen to be blessed to to be raised in a in a dutch reformed uh german lutheran area and we're old enough my wife and i are i'm 60 she'll be 60 in december uh, we're old enough to remember uh churches uh, where the pews were full of, you know, one pew was had six, eight, ten children. That was just that was normative, as we were children growing up, and and uh, so we 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 looked at that as a living witness of of God's faithfulness. And then in the early '70s, when this whole sexual revolution came along, uh, public admissions, we we stumbled and sinned, and we participated in things. We look back, we 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 know by God's mercy that we're we're saved from, uh, but. Um, the culture just caved. I studied this a lot with um, several historical books on it and how, the, how the, the church just kind of walked away from hundreds and hundreds of years of teaching. And uh, with that, the sexual revolution just rolled on through and, and we're, now, we're, we're now reaping that very, that very whirlwind. And, uh, but we had, we had a living witness and we said, you know, no, uh, we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll trust that in the Lord's hands. And it's it's been a, scra- a scrap and a struggle um, over the years, but uh, God has been has blessed it. That, that sort of rate being raised that way uh, set them on their. They realized when they became married, they had they'd spent some time with their future spouses and kind of walk through this and explain, you know, that 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 um, this is this is our calling and so forth. I don't expect our children and grandchildren to have to to take all the struggles that we did if god brings it that way that's up to them but um they learn from it paul and, have for your family <clears throat> now i don't know how spread out all of your 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 children are nowadays i i know you're in northwest uh, um iowa and you have uh, some of your your uh your people down in des moines area uh but uh, how have you in in terms of your own church i i even i even I'm starting to not use that term much. Uh, I use it in terms of your own, you know, because I think the word church is really needs to be retrofitted in our cultural, in our culture, yeah. in our in our understanding. You know, you do a word association picture. What do you comes to your mind? You hear the word church. It's a piece of architecture, and 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 the and the people, the congregation is the furniture. Uh, but right. but uh, I, I think in terms of more of a of a living entity, an organism, not an not an organization, uh, not an institution. And, and I've I've oftentimes said, hey, you know you know the definition of a church is three large homeschooling families in a living room. Uh, that's what it's become here, and and, and um, uh, I mean that's it, it, we we did have more structured churches over the years. Uh, God brings along various issues and things, and they and they they've they've come apart. Uh, but the, uh, you know the, the 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 church as a whole, I, and I've been involved with some Bible studies here in our local community as of a few years ago, and seeing older gentlemen in tears, recognizing that their grandchildren have gone astray and so forth, and you try to encourage them to come back to the the faith once delivered to the saints, the covenants, the promises the things that these reformed men once knew and it's 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 hard the cultural pressure i mean it seems to be hard for them to come back and so 
uh, the church has been so corrupted from within that it's it's hard to look at an institution and 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 define it as church. Let's just put it out there. I I had a, I was a as you know I was down at Ray Moore's home in uh, South Carolina last week, and we we had we inter- I interviewed him and he's going to be joining us as I said here in this upcoming week. It will already be in a week past by the time this podcast yep. airs, but. Um, and he talked about some of the statistics and the studies that show that if your children are are, are sent to government sanctioned, uh, I don't even hate to even call them schools, propaganda centers, that they are eight, that the odds are eighty percent are better that they will apostate apostatize, and versus homeschooling, which is down in the twenty percent range, and of course, and and that in that and you'd think that. That would be sufficient statistic in and of itself to compel people. And of course, now in California, where they're teaching the homosex agenda at to second graders, uh, but they'll still be. But but Ray's greatest frustration now is pastors that they will not take a stand because they their the pews are full of people that work in the educational system, especially in university communities. Uh, where uh, a large PCA church that I've been involved with, not a member, uh, but uh, but been and I've known the pastor for 40 years, but they will not speak against. That. Now they will they will they will pay lip service to homeschooling, and they have some homeschooling cooperative sort of services available, but they will not denounce government-run education because a third of the congregation is a part of the government-run education system. And, uh, we, we're at we're at the point here. Um, uh, Israel Wayne did a Bible study a while back on kind of the foundations of, of why public education is wrong. I took it, um, tweaked it, and uh, at, at made it a little, a little more covenantally faithful. And then we put a headline on it says why the the public education, uh, why government educate public education is sin against God. And we'll stand outside of Christian rock concerts and pass this out to people going in. If, oxymoron Christian rock concert and I get people get so angry and 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 they'll come up and and they'll just immediately start to argue and say you haven't even read it please please let the spirit of God and his word work in you before you just automatically knee jerk defend it but but it it is it is the idol of our time Uh, it is it is the false God it is the churches is full of it and the the judgment of God has been on it for decades. It's only getting worse and worse and worse. And they stand there and they and they they embrace it. One of the things I'm going to talk about in Kerrville, this will be after the the podcast is aired, but uh, is is the structure and the nature of propaganda and how how public education is not a, a prophylactic against propaganda. In fact, it's pre-propaganda. The whole system is propaganda. But um, in terms of the of the fifth commandment, or the the um, uh, ninth commandment, not bearing false witness, how pastors need to preach and teach on the very structure and the nature of propaganda. It's a book I, I found a year ago. It's 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 written 50 years ago, and we've been we've we've opened ourselves up to being integrated into a whole alien worldview. Uh, and and the public education system has played a central role in that, and so we're 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 turned over to it, and we we just we look at God's word and we just this can't be I can't do this I have no power to do this uh, I have to go with this system uh, I, I'm hoping to, to help break people to see 
the power of propaganda and then take it to, to pastors and elders and say, look, we, we have to preach on this because we are saturated every day. Uh, so many times you talk to people about these biblical principles and they just get starry-eyed. They, they can't even begin to process what you're saying or they get angry. And so, so uh, the church is full of it and uh, we're under, the, the judgment is increasing. Uh, the, the, around here, the churches are getting more and more gray-haired. Uh, it, it has no legitimacy to the young people. And, and uh, the, only, the only hope I have is that one of my other frustrations is the homeschool movement itself, as much hope as potential as it has, we've had some poor leadership at the national level. And it's, it's not only not uh, too often covenantal in its thinking, uh, but it's also steeped into false piety and also into, into a lot of um, statist idolatry. And so I, I'm hoping that we can help young people have a different vision uh, of what homeschooling families could be and should should be at the local level and there's and there's so much the living witness of these offensive homeschool young people can have a powerful testimony to the whole to the whole community around them as to why they you know they, they look and say look it can be done we got to get our we got to get our kids out that people need to see more sacrificial uh service and love and boldness from the homeschoolers and and when they do i I believe there's great potential well you know it's like um a large tree uh of with deep roots and the tree is idolatry and there are people positioned around the base of the tree uh and and some of them are, are chopping you know against um police and abuse of power and injustice within the court system and some are chopping at it attacking it with uh, in the areas of um, government run and uh, directed uh, propaganda and others are dealing at it with uh, you know taxation being theft others are dealing with it with the slaughter of the unborn so there's all these different um, cause du jour are, are specific focuses that foci that we that we have you know our, whether it be a calling or it's just where god has placed you they all essentially are dealing with the same evil root and that is idolatry and uh humanism you know the idea that you know that um uh, god's word is not the standard and and so uh, and, and and in terms of i just had i just had a discussion with Paul Michael Raymond and I asked him one of the questions that we had posed to our war room interviewees was you know how do we awaken apathetic pietistic antinomian churches he said you don't he said you start new ones and uh, and, and 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 so you know and I said you and here's the question you know you can't necessarily save the ship from sinking but you can save some of the passengers from drowning and it- and, and I, I tactically, I decided years ago that agreeing with all of that and saying, okay, when a time comes that something at the local level, it needs to go to the ballot for some, for something that not now, now there's an open forum. There's, a, there's a, um, a, a justification for us to enter this discussion. Previously, when you bring these things up and there's nothing happening, if you will, 
a lot of people just yawn and kind of walk away. But if you can take the government's need, why they need more taxes, and we have the interest of the people because they're tired of paying the taxes, so they're going to listen more. And they here's the need, here's what we've got, this is why we have to raise this levy, this bond, this whatever. And you can take that that professed need and then go and, and challenge it, expose it, open it up for it being a false need. And along the way, then hint, point toward, indicate that there are other ways of dealing with these things that don't require us to raise people's taxes more suddenly we get a lot more people that are that are huh uh yeah i hadn't thought about that you start to open this process often my client committees members afterwards i leave them behind with with books on theonomy reconstruction so forth because they've had a lot more time with me in the middle of the fight in the middle of the campaign to to hear a biblical response and solution to what what the government's saying and then along the way, as a former banker, I bring a lot of financial expertise to to exposing the illegitimacy of the local government. Everybody everybody hopes that Washington and their state capital are corrupt, but we hope at the local level that we still have some pretty decent people here yet. And it turns out, no, we don't. There is corrupt here. This is the training ground for where they go on to the state and the federal level. So... Then, then we get a lot more people opened up. I got, I got a, a father of five in Minnesota. Uh, the, the, this fall, uh, the, I think the oldest is in fifth or sixth grade. This fall, they're, they're either going to Christian school or homeschool uh, after they saw what went through what they saw with their own public school system. And so this is, this is part of why if we engage these issues, these, if you call them public policy issues, whatever it is, when it's so often so unbiblical and illegitimate, um, when, when we look, for example, another one. I just had a conversation last week with a with a client in South Carolina, and and the whole unfunded net pension liability system of the, they. I found out for them their school district's uh, net pension liability is a hundred million dollars, hmm. and they're they're aghast. Their eyes are wide open, and like, oh my goodness, you know what? You know, this is a you know where's this all going to go? And we start talking about the demographics of pension funds. And soon enough, we're back to the issue of no children. Uh, and so, let me jump in there and ask you a question: Is some of the bonds? Obviously, I've heard you know you discussing these, uh, and a lot of them have to do with superfluous and unnecessary facilities. Of course, we think they're all unnecessary. But these, you know, uh, you know, swimming pools and, and and gymnasium complexes and fine arts. But is a lot of the bonds have to do with teachers' pensions and salaries and raises and as such as that no. as well? No, no. General obligation bonds, um, in generality, in most states, uh, are limited to capital assets, capital uh, structures, and so forth. There's there's talk by the teachers' unions to start, you know, redirecting some sales taxes and and maybe doing some bonding. But no one in the right mind will do that because that'll force that'll force the the issue into into the local public that there's this massive unfunded liability that no one's talking about. Uh, so no, they can't. They can't use the proceeds generally. Uh, in, in in all the states I work in, they can't use the proceeds to fund this. And so what they're all doing is just kicking the can down the road. And each year they're going to have a massive tax property tax increase because the the pension administrators going to notify them that we're umpteen million dollars short this coming year that we can't fund all the retirement checks. And so 
people are just going to start seeing a, a dramatic escalation. Um, I, I did one in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, a few years ago. I spoke at the Institute of Constitution, and I, and I reviewed the Anne Arundel um, pension funds. And in 2003, I think it was, they were above water. And um, by 2011, when I was there, the net pension fund was around $180 million underwater. It, it was a negative uh, a net liability. I did a linear regression and said this thing looks like by by 2015 or 16 it could be up to to a quarter million under maybe 300 million, and an old man in the audience raised his hand and said, "You do understand, sir, when things start to unravel, they don't remain linear anymore." And I said, uh, "Let me tip my hat to the gentleman in the back." I said, "He's absolutely correct." I said, "When when an organization is going to bankruptcy and they start to really unravel," I said, "I'm trying to be nice and be hopeful to you, but I said this could get much worse much faster." Uh, for my presentation in Kerrville, I went back and revisited the Anne Arundel <coughs> County Net Pension Fund. It didn't go to 275 million by 2015. It's at 500 million. Hey, that and, brings uh, up a, that brings up a good point, Paul. I mean, you're an enemy of fiat currency, and uh, and of course we've been listening to Joel's Restoring America One County at a Time lectures there on Reconstructionist Radio. A shameless plug. Um, but if yep. the if the currency, I mean, if the economy were to collapse, I mean, I tell people it's it's a house of cards um, built on smoke and mirrors. Uh, but, yep. but if it collapses, what happens to all this debt? Oh, lots of speculation toward that end. Will it be uh, renounced? A new currency issued in five to one, uh, replace your your bond with others. Will it just be? openly renounced um uh that that's there, there'll be, uh, in the times of crisis there'll be lots of uh, of um options to pick from and we'll just have to wait and see which it is but uh, a lot of organizations will go belly up a lot of a lot of pension funds these silly fools they turn around and buy these bonds uh they're the ones who are buying the, you know much much of this debt uh and expecting to get some return on it so just, just a lot of organizations, a lot of institutions, a lot of people are going to suffer mightily. You, uh, I, you, I got one of the things I got that really jumped out at me, and 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 wasn't a new thought, but I thought it was a key thought in your uh, in one of your other interviews was that one of the first steps that you have to engage in, one of the first enemies that you have to disarm and and basically take out of the fight is the argument. It's for the children, and that, and and I'm sure that that's some of the key elements. A propaganda that you're going to discuss in terms of you know uh, yep. once they get past that uh, I'm going to ask you this question uh, are you are there examples I know that we talk about arch- you talked about architects and 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 uh, engineers and 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 building contractors and 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 the 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 bankers actually issuing the bonds being these big you know, being having this in financial incentive are there cases? Are you finding cases in your investigation, Paul, of actual kickbacks to politicians? Uh, yes, uh, there, there are. Um, I, I know it's huge. I can't. I, I sense that it's huge. I can't prove it. But there are bond dealers in uh, St. Louis getting massive fines. There are bond dealers in California going to jail. Uh, I've had school superintendent, a school superintendent in Missouri, who had just retired call me up and say do you realize at the administrators conferences uh how much how much is exchanged hands behind the scenes in the hospitality rooms at the hotels and i said do tell and he said 
uh, anywhere from cash to season tickets to the St. Louis uh, uh, Cardinals to um, uh, here's the catalog, order your wife a whole new set of furniture. Uh, he said there's all kinds of remuneration coming from these people. In fact, I have slides that I use during my presentation. I'll show Bloomberg News articles where they're sending bond dealers to prison uh, because they were caught doing this. I'm, I'm, in fact, I had one in the Minneapolis metro area where I, it, it's so prevalent now that when we do a public records request of the school heading into a fight, one of the things we ask is, uh, could you please disclose if any of the, of the district, district employees, senior administrators, or board members have received any gifts uh, in kind or cash or in other form uh, from any vendors uh, involved in this project? We don't ask this question because we're implying or assuming uh, any such with this district. But we see from the following press accounts, it's becoming a, a serious problem. Uh, would, could you please uh, disclose this? I had one school district in Metro Minneapolis that waited down to the last hour, and they would not answer that question. And I finally, at, at 11 o'clock at night, I, I emailed the assistant superintendent and said, I'm going forward. We're going to state the following. We've asked this, and the school district refuses to answer it. And an hour later, he wrote back at midnight. He was up himself. He wrote back and said, uh, the answer is no, we are not. Uh, I, I learned about a week after the vote, after we defeated them, that one of our committee members' uh, wife was a friend of the superintendent, and the superintendent had told her friend that she called her daddy and said, I think my career is over. They're after me. Um, they're asking questions about about the money. And so we, I, I'm confident that it's very common. Uh, it's, it's hard to prove. But on occasion, the authorities do catch them. It, it, it got um, the bond dealers funding the yes campaigns got so bad that they passed a law six, eight years ago in Missouri to outlaw it. And they just kept right on doing it. <laughs> and, and very few prosecutions or anything else going on. And so not only is it under the table stuff, but there's um, there's also some very open uh, contractors, bond dealers, all these vendors uh, funding the yes campaign directly. In some communities in Nebraska, they just run the yes campaign. And then we expose that and it gets people upset. So, Paul, uh, have you written any books or if, uh, and two part question, if you would let us know any, anything that you've written, any monographs, any books, uh, essays that you, that you think would be particularly helpful uh, in people understanding what you do and when they need to call you, uh, and others, and, and you might even also ask answer. I was meant to ask this earlier. Uh, are there other people that do what you do, and um, and is it widely even known among the population at large that there is anything they can do uh, when these elections? Uh, occur with bond issues on them? Are, are most people unaware that there's any way they can combat it? Are there other people like you doing what you do? Uh, um, multitude of answers. One, I haven't written a book. Uh, I've had many people suggest I should. Uh, I encourage people, they can learn a lot if they go to my website. I, I have a lot of uh, people who are fighting this system who tell me uh, what a blessing it was. My, my website is rollbacklocalgov dot com rollbacklocalgov.com and uh, there's a lot of essays and narratives and things on there that will help them see the picture better as they head into it I don't know of anybody else doing what I'm doing picking a fight uh, 
particular, I, and I work at the county level, city level. We roll back uh, city ordinances. We we stop zoning or, uh, 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 ordinances. Uh, but my strong area is is, is in pushing back uh, funding, taxpayer funding for public schools. Uh, and in that in that realm, I don't. When you want to pick a fight with the idol, the number one idol of our time, the the temple of our time, most political political consultants don't want to do this. You have to have an eschatology of hope, of victory, of conquest. Again, that which the homeschool movement doesn't seem to have. But when you have it, then you can see them for what they are. And and so the way I get phone calls, the way people hear about me is when the system goes apoplectic and just I get all kinds of negative media from the, the, the establishment propaganda system defending the public schools, I routinely get um, most often Christian people, business people who say, if they hate him, I got to log that name. And they start Googling me and they start running you know, phone directories and so forth and they'll find me. And so all the, the hostile media that I receive often is, is, is free, free marketing for, for my work. Uh, and, and people so often when I get done, people stand there and say, I never knew. I never knew this could be done. I never knew how to begin to do it. Uh, we, well, in fact, um, one client, uh, I, I use his quote, if you, if you won't mind, a, a shameless plug here myself. Absolutely. Charles Vaughn, Charles Vaughn out of Needleton, Texas. Uh, he Googled and found me. And we took on a $120 million proposal. This was back, I think, in February of 2009, and Texas at that time, I haven't stayed current with the law, but they allow twice a year voting on bond issues for schools. This was in February of 2009, and on that day, there was like 50 bond issues on the ballot across Texas. Forty of them passed. Uh, the 10 that did not pass, uh, they all they all failed by a few percentage points. Ours in Nederland was defeated by, uh, I think it was a 79% no vote. And uh, as, as Charles wrote later, he said, without Copperhead Consulting, we would, never have been had, we would never have had a chance. In fact, there would have been no we. I did not have a clue how to get started, recruit like-minded people, organize a committee, or raise funds. I had no idea how to run a campaign, what to do, how to use the media, what to say, how to write copy, or how to spend the funds effectively. The way I was considering proceeding, if I tried anything at all, would have been totally wrong. The odds are stacked against the average citizen. The government bodies, the bureaucrats, and special interest groups have the upper hand. We needed an equalizer. And then to quote uh, Charles Vaughn, Paul Doerr was the equalizer. Uh, and so um, it, it's, it's there to do. We have to have a vision. We have to be willing to take a lot of heat. But after the fact, there are thousands and thousands of grateful citizens uh, that 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 they saw someone in the community rise up against this beast and say no. Paul, after you have done your work, I presume that in much in the way that <clears throat> Henry went about his daily business and, and it, it left such a profound impact on your life, um, I, I presume that your work on the behalf of these locales uh, uh, results in many kingdom opportunities many opportunities to to not only testify of your personal faith in jesus christ but that your faith is not a private faith and that the word of god indeed 
addresses every issue of their lives. And, and so I, I, I presume that out of these successful campaigns, and for that matter, even unsuccessful campaigns, which hopefully are, are few, uh, that they're producing a lot of kingdom opportunities, and you're building some good alliances with these with these people. That's one of the visions I want to impart upon anybody who comes to Kerrville or anybody who'll just listen. The Lord in these in these fights, if you will, the Lord opens up so many opportunities for that very thing. And and the, my the, my number one weakness or number one grief after it's over is I get these people who look at me and say. Where do you get this? Where did this come from? I've never understood the Bible like this. I've never understood the fullness of the gospel and so forth like this. And and what kind of church is it? And where there are no, I can't point them. I, I, I Google, I search, I know where, where the good churches are. Well, I, I know where some of them are. I try to find them a, a, a local church to feed them, to instruct them to, to continue this. I'll do what I can from afar. And yes, they're they're on my Facebook page a lot. They're calling me a lot. Uh, they're getting my emails and so forth, uh, and, and we're staying in touch. I had I had two young men in a Minnesota fight. We we defeated them twice. It got really corrupt at the end, and a lot of people lost their nerve. No, after the second fight, excuse me, after the second fight, they won. These are young, prosperous farmers. They're sitting in semi trucks at grain elevators, waiting to unload their grain. And I got one reading Politics of Guilt and Pity, and one reading uh, Larceny in the Heart by Rush Dooney. And they, they they take a picture of the book on the on the steering wheel of their semi truck, and they and they text it to me and say, "Man, this is a great book." That's what I'm so, talking about. <laughs> and, and, and and this is this is this stuff is all out there. If Reconstructionists would, would engage more than just Facebook and blogging and reading books, that's all important. But but park some of that and let's 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 engage. And it's not just politics. There's it's it's charity. It's it's um, uh, works of mercy. It's visiting the elderly. It's it's having an alternative to this to this corrupt medical system. Uh, uh, I know of a Christian doctor that would like to put a couple million dollars together to build a clinic and, or I figured maybe it's a million dollars, and just go completely outside the system. There should be Christian businessmen in his community uh, that, that are out there raising the funds to help build a, 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 med- a medical clinic. So yes, to answer your question, there's there's so much after the fact. I got one time I got invited because my clients are in nine states: South Carolina, Texas, all in the Upper Midwest. I don't often get to go back afterwards but in one case in southeastern south dakota i got invited back i was two and a half hours away and they said we're gonna have a victory party on you know thursday night uh would you come i said yeah i can come out there so i got there i was a couple minutes late there's 75 people they're all having a a, a big you know 10 people to round tables everybody's eating dinner i walk in and the room stands up and starts applauding and i i get to the podium i put my hands out and said no no sit down sit down stop stop i said there's two things here that we need to recognize above everything else, above Paul or anything else. First, I got five men, and by the way, when we lose, it's most often I got Deborah, sort of Old Testament Deborah, women who are leading, who don't want to, but the men won't stand up. And and when I have men involved, that's most we almost always will defeat them. And I said in this case, I got five men sitting here. I said they're all local businessmen. They're all known in the community. They put their risk up against a massive system that was running full scale against them. I said, I'm leaving town after tonight. These men are still going to be here. I said, they deserve the credit. And I said, second of all, to the extent that you saw the gifts, the passion, the talent, the intellect, 
the, me the messaging, uh, the boldness that came from me to help in your cause, I said, there's only one source that came from, that's the living Lord Jesus Christ. I said, apart from him, I would be nothing standing here. Our victory would have been, uh, there wouldn't have been a victory. I said, I give all glory to Jesus Christ. And the room just went totally silent. And I love, I love to, to, to give our Savior the praise and the honor at that time. So, yes, it's there. I just, man, I, I, we, I've want to get the reconstructionist people animated. There's so much more that we could do. Well, you know, one thing is I've been a, a thought that I've been, that's been haunting me recently <clears throat> is that, uh, you know, if we ever lose Facebook, man, we're 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 sol uh you know the fact is is that we have to reach out we have to build uh, coalitions we have to build strategic alliances we have to know people we have to visit them we need to be face to face with them build relationships with them and that doesn't that doesn't mean facebook friends that's one of the reasons why i've been so blessed and i think one of the blessings of my ministry is that i get to to go around and engage and interact and of course you know i've come up in northwest uh, in your part of the country, in uh, yep. nor Northwest Iowa, and you, I think you were down in South Carolina at the time, so we yep. we weren't able to hook up. But I, I think it's essential. I mean, you know, you, discipleship does not occur through a, through an app on your phone. It it occurs, and the answer to every problem is not in a book. Uh, uh, and so, it, to the extent that Paul has got a a, a niche, a focus, and after he gives them, after he leads them into a, a victory of sorts, then he has built credibility, and they can, and he can say, now that we've we've addressed this issue, let me tell you what God's word has to say about some other issues of pressing importance that we that you may not even be aware of. So that's 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 the watchword for all of us: is whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, and look for use ingenuity. And creativity to uh, generate kingdom building moments and relationships uh, and 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 Paul I pray that not only that that the real legacy of your ministry will not be in the bonds that you helped to defeat and the taxes the new taxes you you were instrumental in eliminating but in the relationships and the seed that you drop along the way and the men and women and families and who knows when you get when you get to glory you may have a big tribe up there that you didn't know about <laughs> well well i i was i've been told over the years i know three men in their in their mid 20s whose middle names are all paul and uh god and their parents in gratitude to god named their sons uh, when they decided that you know two kids, you know we shouldn't stop there, and so I already know there's going to be there's going to be uh, some Christian men there. But you're absolutely right. I mean that that's that's where it, it's 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 the one on one. Sometimes I love Facebook and sometimes I hate it. And, and um, we we need to engage more at, at the local level, especially if we have a long a strong local church. I know one in Conroe, Texas that's that's doing this stuff, and God is adding the increase. Uh, uh, to, to their labor and and if the church can see this vision there is a there is a lot of growth in the in the church and in faith and in uh, sanctification and righteousness and honor to Christ if we will if we will f engage relationally and and often and and sometimes where needed publicly and boldly and it also uh, I've, I've said for years it also 
drives their own sanctification. You're, you're standing up for something, and someone's like, yeah, what about this? You know, and, oh, yeah, you know what? That is a sin. What, what am I doing? Paul, we come so, up, we're up against the time here, and so right. I want to ask you one more time to give us uh, the best uh, resource online for people to get in touch with you or to find out yep. about your ministry. Facebook, they can find me at Copperhead Consulting, and, on, and my website is rollbacklocalgov.com. Amen. And as we leave, as we as we end this war room segment, I want to share a, just a short passage from First Samuel chapter eleven, and when the, and from four and following, when the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and they reported these terms to the people, they all wept aloud. Just then, Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen, and he asked, "What's wrong with the people? Why are they weeping?" They then repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. When Saul heard their words, and this was a threat against the people of God. When Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came upon him in power, and he burned with anger. He took a pair of oxen, cut them in pieces, sent the pieces by messenger throughout Israel, proclaiming, this is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they turned out as one man. So we want to pray that God will pour out his Holy Spirit and that his fear will come upon all of his people and they will turn out as one man. Thank you uh, to our guest, Paul Doerr, and thank you for listening to us here on The War Room. Thanks for having me, Bill. God bless. Thank you for joining us in The War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete weekly lineup of eight distinct podcasts. Starting on Sunday, setting the record straight with pastors Gordon Runyon, Jason Garwood, and Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Mondays, the Post Mill Report with Nathan F. Conkey. Tuesdays, Acts to the Root with Bojidar Marinov. Wednesdays, the Hellraiser Report with Scott Allen Buss. Thursdays, the War Room with Bill Evans and Jason Sanchez. Fridays, Once Dead, where Christians give testimonies of God's grace upon their lives. And Saturdays, Restoring America One County at a Time Lectures with Joel McDermott. And our new podcast, No Neutrality, with various contributors. Please don't forget to subscribe to each individual podcast or... The Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where you will get all of the content we produce, including our free audiobooks. Don't forget to go to reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator and to partner with us financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.